Are you a omnivore? A locavore? Carnivore? Herbivore? Vegetarian? Flexitarian? Well, today we're talking excusitarian. Welcome to Veg Your Best, the plant-based podcast. My name's Michelle Olander. I'm a certified life coach, a practicing vegan, and I'm here to try and convince you to show up, eat more plants, and not wait a single second longer to set an impossible goal. Episode four, where we find out if you are a practicing excusitarian. When I was certified as a life and weight coach, I knew that I wanted to coach people who were trying to transition to a vegan or to a whole food, plant-based diet. I had committed to eating vegan in my mid-50s after never believing it would be possible for me to give up eating animal products. Because before I committed to eating vegan, I considered myself vegetable forward, primarily vegetarian, pescatarian but mostly excusitarian. Meaning that in my case, I ate vegan unless I had a good excuse, like traveling, or if I were a guest at someone's house or party, the gift of a cake or cookie. I told myself that if someone else's feelings might be hurt by my refusing to eat animal products, or they might be uncomfortable, well, that was a valid excuse, and I could eat it. I had an excusitarian diet really for quite a while until I stopped eating excuses. Now, even if you are listening to this podcast and not particularly interested in changing the way you eat, it's very possible that you are also a practicing excusitarian. I mean, I think we all are in one way or another. We have an identity or commitment maybe a goal, and we're all in. We're 100% full-on committed, except for when there's a good excuse. And I am all for a good excuse. And as a life coach, I'm not here to judge any of your excuses. If you like your excuse, I love it. But if your excuses are standing in the way of your goals, your integrity with yourself, your self-trust, if excuses are... I don't know, getting in the way of your values or your relationships, then coaching can help you see what thoughts and feelings are fueling those excuses. If an excuse keeps coming up for you as a problem, it's just a thought that you keep telling yourself. Think about some of your excuses. They're probably a lot like mine were. They'll be so annoyed. It's easier just to do it myself. I don't have enough information. I need to look into it. I work so hard. I deserve it. Okay, what's another one? I'm just trying to get through this week. It will take too long. I have a family. I don't have a family. No one is going to take me seriously. It's no big deal. I have a million of them. The list of excuses is literally endless. Did I touch on one of your go-to excuses? Think about it for a quick second. What's your favorite excuse? 
I have one in particular that I have practiced for decades. My time is not my own. My time is not my own. I say it all the time. With that excuse, and it's based on years of finding evidence to support it, with that excuse I have as a wife, as a mother, as a business owner, as a property manager, I have wasted all kinds of time with that excuse. Sure, I could tackle that project or commit to that fun new goal, but right now my time's not my own. And the minute my family or my business or the properties we manage need me, I won't be able to do it, and so why bother? My time's not my own. It's an excuse I still notice popping up very frequently. I'm still a practicing excusitarian when it comes to my writing goals, for example, but at least I'm on to myself. More about that in an upcoming podcast. And working with a life coach, or self-coaching even, as we will discuss more this fall, it's really the best way that I've found to discover the excuses that are undermining those goals, the goals you want, but you haven't figured out how to bring into reality yet. Excuses you also often think are really just true until you try saying them out loud. Excuses, creating self-doubt, sabotaging your results. And in the meantime, if you're a practicing excusitarian, ask yourself what the thought is that comes up repeatedly when you find yourself bailing on yourself, when you find yourself not following through. Usually it sounds something like, well, I would, but put your excuse here. Well, I wanted to, but put your excuse here. Practice noticing the excuses. I promise you can keep any excuse that you consciously decide you want because an excuse you consciously decide you want is a decision. If you try to reframe your excuse as a decision, how does that land? How does that feel? Can you say it out loud with a strong, powerful face? So here's my excuse from this morning. I wanted to get up and fill in a chapter outline in a book I'm writing about transitioning to a vegan diet in my 50s. So I had calendared, is that even a verb outside of coach speak? I had put on my calendar that I would write for 30 minutes on the book draft, 8.45 to 9.15 a.m. So I got up and I made coffee. Today, today as I am recording this, is the day after Labor Day, Monday. And there is no one in our weekend house but my husband and myself. And I noticed that we had washed all the sofa covers and left them to dry in the in the living room and that they really should go outside in the sunshine to finish drying. Otherwise, they would still be damp before we left to go home. But outside, the patio furniture was heavily soaked in dew, so I needed to wipe off and put the patio cushions themselves in the sun so that the water from those cushions did not get on the newly washed yet damp indoor sofa cushion slipcovers. Well, anyway, it just seemed the responsible, careful, thoughtful, reasonable, true thing to do to take good care of those cushions, the patio furniture and the slipcovers. I had a good excuse and it took about 45 minutes and now I have completely used up my writing time, the writing time I committed to on Monday morning when I was setting up my weekly schedule. You know, I have clients to meet with, well, 
It's never a problem to meet with them because it's a commitment I make very seriously to someone else. It's it's just a calendar entry with a client's name on it instead of a calendar entry that says book draft chapter 5B. Anyone else relate to that? They're both just words on a calendar. The calendar entry with a client's name on it would never be ignored because I thought I needed to dry the patio furniture. Never. The other? Well, one would never know if I dried the slip covers instead of sitting down and fleshing out the rough draft of Chapter 5B. No one would ever know except me. And now you, of course. So like I said, if you like your excuses, I love them. I just ask you to consider saying them out loud with a strong, powerful expression. So in my case, I would have said, instead of honoring my plan to write part of Chapter 5B of my book draft due October 15, I chose to clean the patio furniture, dry it off, and then bring the sofa cushion slipcovers out to dry in the sun. Does that seem like a thought-out decision? Remember, I told you that I have a pet excuse that comes up so often. My time is not my own. This is my story that I have so many responsibilities, so much I have to do, so many people I need to remain flexible for that, that it's almost impossible to prioritize the things I really want to accomplish, those bigger goals and dreams. I mean, you see my conundrum right? How can I finish a book when there are sofa slipcovers to dry? And if I had told that story to, to my friends, they would very likely have nodded empathically and sympathized and said, I know, I know, there's so much to do, right? Well, that's the difference between having a friend and having a coach. Because a coach will not believe your story. A coach will ask you about your story. And a coach will ask you why you're choosing to believe your story, because that's what an excuse is. It's a story. Usually it's a story you don't really want to examine all that closely. Excuses are stories that usually do not have words like, I chose or I decided. Excuses are stories in a passive tense, kind of like, well, then life happened. The slipcovers were wet. There's so much to do. Everybody was waiting. When we're trying to eat differently than we have eaten for the, past, for the past years or decades, a lot of stories come up, at least for most of us. We do hear so much about the person who finds out from the doctor that she's heading towards, towards some type 2 diabetes or high cholesterol and just overnight changes to plant-based diet. But if that isn't happening for you, there's no reason to think that it's a problem. If you're someone who has been struggling with eating more plant-based or committing to a vegan dietary practice, ask yourself, what are your excuses and stories? I can share some of mine because I was 100% certain that I would never commit to a fully vegan diet. I was certain for years, 100%. I told myself the story that I ate very healthy, I ate almost entirely organic, grass-fed meats, animals that were treated more humanely, except, of course, when I was in a restaurant, because, because who knows what I was eating then. I told myself it would be too disruptive when we traveled if I couldn't have the local specialties. 
It would be maybe even disrespectful to the cultures that I was visiting. I told myself that I had already consumed so many animals, what difference would it really mean to the agricultural industry? I told myself that I had a lot of priorities and that cooking or eating differently would take up too much time, which is a good one, right? How much time do you think it takes not to cook meat, dairy, and eggs? So simple. You just cook and eat everything else. But I had another story or excuse that I would have to learn to cook all kinds of new things. It would just be too much. None of it was true. But it popped into my head all the time like it was true. You know, I had an identity as a child that it was good manners to just eat what you're given and be grateful for it. Probably the biggest excuse I had was that I wasn't comfortable asking for things to be done just my way. It seemed demanding. It seemed impolite. And my general way in the world is to try and just get along most of the time. It is possible my brother has a different viewpoint on my personality, but I don't really like a lot of examination or being questioned about why I'm doing something. And I'm an introvert. So generally being the center of attention is uncomfortable for me. You know, my husband and I were married at the mayor's office on Block Island, Rhode Island. There was no question. I did not want a wedding. The whole idea of being a bride center of attention was impossible for me. So there was that excuse. Being plant-based, asking for a vegan meal in restaurants without such an option on the menu, it just seemed completely impossible for someone with my personality. That was a big excuse I had, and it seemed very real. It seemed very true. It took practice. It took noticing the excuses and asking myself, well, if I didn't have that excuse, what would I do? Or what if I do ask for something and the waiter is unpleasant or unhelpful? So what? And I won't tell you that it hasn't happened. It has. And it really isn't a big deal. So all this to tell you that my excusitarianism is no longer really an issue for me in terms of how I eat. I do not eat animal products for ethical, environmental, and health reasons. But excusitarianism doesn't just go away. As I tried to illustrate with this morning's excuse to dry the patio and the slipcovers, instead of doing the writing I had specifically scheduled to stay on track, excuses still hijack my attention and focus all the time. It's a practice of noticing what didn't go the way I planned or hoped and looking for the reasons, looking for what got in the way. And what gets in the way is always a thought. Is that thought a decision? Is it a choice? Or is that thought an excuse? I never thought that I could commit to practicing a vegan diet until I stopped thinking that way. I started thinking, I can start practicing a vegan diet. I started thinking, I can do this sometimes, most of the time. I can do it imperfectly. I started thinking, I can see how it goes when we travel. I started thinking, plenty of other people seem to do it. 
and I started paying attention to how those other people asked for what they wanted. I started thinking, hmm, some people might be annoyed, but I'm probably already annoying them. I started thinking I may sometimes miss out on some cultural foods, but I sure as heck don't miss out on most of the culture when I travel. That is my favorite part of travel, the history, the geography, the architecture, and the art. Bit by bit, I practiced acting like those excuses weren't really 100% true because, spoiler alert, excuses aren't true. We make them up, like all the rest of the thoughts we have, and we can still make them up. I still have excuses. This one came up recently. This excuse, it's rude to talk politics over dinner with people you don't know very well. That's not true in any kind of cosmic sense of true. It's just a thought, a thought some people made up, and it's an excuse I am super happy to hold on to when the occasion arises. So if you have excuses or thoughts that you are consciously choosing, that is as it should be. But if you have excuses that don't seem conscious, that don't seem to make sense when you say them out loud as a deliberate choice, that's where self-coaching or working with a life coach can be very illuminating. And if avoiding or eliminating animal products from your diet brings up a bunch of thoughts like, ah, it's too hard, I'm too old to change how I eat, it seems extreme, I don't even know any vegetarians. Everyone's going to make fun of me. I'm too busy. I don't know how to do that. I just want you to know that those are excuses that can easily be overcome with just a little bit of self-inquiry, a little bit of thought work. We will talk a lot more about thought work, about managing our minds when we're trying to accomplish something. Because if you're thinking the excuse or thought that you don't know what you would eat if you gave up meat, well, then you don't really create any movement. Your actions don't change much. Your thoughts don't expand. But when you notice that you could also think, I guess I could choose something without meat today, well, it opens up a little bit of wiggle room. It allows, it allows some other choices to bubble up and maybe you notice some options. Maybe you don't. But the world opens up and presents itself just a little more fully when you open up your thoughts. We will definitely talk all about this in an upcoming episode, probably lots of them, because this is exactly what I do with my coaching clients. When they're trying to make changes in the way they eat or in the way they do anything, because we are all practicing excusitarians. So if there is any area in your life where you think you might not be showing up or taking action the way you want to, ask yourself, what excuses do you come up with? I would love it if you would email me some of your favorites, or at least your most common excuses, so we can do an episode on them in, in a few weeks. If you have questions or topics that you'd like covered on an upcoming Veg Your Best podcast, 
please use the link in the show notes to email me at michelleolandercoaching.com. You can also find me on Instagram and on Facebook at VegYourBest. And if you're curious how working with a coach can help you with your excusitarianism and your plant-based goals, schedule a free mini session. The link is in the show notes. Veg Your Best podcast production, music, and editing by Charlie Weinshank. Thanks, Charlie. Before you go, it would mean so much to me and the Veg Your Best team if you would hit subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or share with someone you think might be interested. Something about algorithms, it helps bump us up a little in the rankings, and that's the best way to help others find the podcast and for us to find our audience. So until next week, make it easy and veg your best.